What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Just Gonna Say It podcast. Uh, this is the Tuesday afternoon thing that we do every Tuesday. I guess that's why we call it the Tuesday afternoon thing. Uh, the Just Gonna Say It podcast. Um, you saw the thumbnail. I want to talk about some of these other YouTubers that are doing some really cool stuff that I can totally get behind. Uh, and I'll tell you why this was inspired and where it came from and etc. as we look at some of the comments that have come over come in through the last few days because uh you know uh well let's just say we might have poked a bear that's all didn't mean to i was being genuine in what i was saying in a video but the world doesn't know that for some reason so we're going to talk about that a little bit it's kind of cool uh, if you're new to the Dylan Talks Tone channel, we talk about guitar stuff, techie videos on Monday, podcast on Tuesday, news on Wednesday, Q&A live stream on Thursday, and this week we're going to have a video on Friday too. Um, so yeah, that's pretty neat, as well as this podcast on all your podcast platforms. Do me a favor and support the channel if you can by going to Dylan Talks Tone and buying some stuff because we make pickups. That's what we do. And then also the other things there, uh, Stumac. I think they're doing a 10% off sale right now. You can use the link in the description. Runway audio cables, Sweetwater, all that stuff. It's all down there. That's what makes the thing go. And of course, you all watching and super chats and whatnot all keeps it going. If you have any questions about guitar stuff during this here podcast, throw them down there in the chat and I'll see if I can get to them. Uh, we'll do what we can to do that and also just say hello uh you know um just say hello if you if you want to do that too as well and where you're from and all that because like right now we have 61 people watching 21 thumbs ups and some comments but i know not everybody said hello so please just get in there and say hi for me that'd be awesome ah uh, looks like we have somebody sent me a sticker Uh, pair character punching the air with fist and bump written on his knuckles. That's what the little message comes through my computer. So that's kind of cool. So <clears throat> let's see. Um, I always assume you didn't have hair. Yeah, you guys, I have awesome hair, you know, that's what we're going to talk about today. Actually, we're going to talk about what people focus on when they watch videos. It's sort of weird. And we're going to talk about, uh, uh, well, okay. You saw the three thumbnails that I shared in the thumbnail to this video. One of them was Jim Lil's video where he puts strings across the, the whole, the, between the two tables, right? And then, uh, which was awesome. It was a great video. Was it science? Eh, I mean, he tested some stuff. Was it actually science? Yeah, you could probably start there and keep going, right? Um, yeah, definitely the beginnings of something that could definitely, you could go further down that road. Very interesting stuff. And stuff that nobody ever has ever done before or in that way. So I, I really commend him for that. The other one is the... Um, guitar that was made out of a thousand soda cans which i thought was really really cool um <clears throat> that guitar sounded pretty good it was pretty neat some definite challenges not scalable obviously but it sounded cool i thought it was pretty neat and then the other one that just came out recently i think yesterday or a couple of days ago was the dude who drilled a bunch of holes in his acoustic guitar and it sounds really good Granted, let's be fair that in his video, he used a lot of post-processing. Obviously, it was in the studio, a lot of reverb, a lot of delay, a lot of stuff like that. But I applaud these guys for doing tests and trying stuff that actually could matter more than some of the stuff that I've been asked to do over the years. Um, a lot of folks ask us all the time, why didn't you A, B that? Or mostly mostly what happens is we'll post a video like we posted on Monday about the Glenn Fricker deal. 
And a bunch of people get in the comments and tell me all the things I should have done in the test to be more specific. But <clears throat> what's interesting about that is, is it doesn't really focus on the music and it doesn't focus on how music is made. And it doesn't focus on how sound is made. Typically what happens is folks try to get so granular with stuff um, that it's undetectable anyway. And even if it is detectable, is it detectable in real life? You know what I mean? Um, somebody said what you, and, and I'm going to give you a couple of examples of this, some kind of learning things that came out of that video was really interesting in that video on Monday, as we played all of those guitars. Okay. We did not change any input levels except for one guitar that I did note in the, in the, in there because it was so low. Uh, the machine gun Kelly signature guitar was actually, it was just so compressed that it wouldn't have even done it justice. So I did adjust that. I had to give the input level a little tweak. <clears throat> Excuse me. I apologize. But on the outside, uh, on the output of that, if we look at the output of the video, what do we play? Six different guitars, right? And I should say, there should be a note here. The single coil guitars were done on all on the neck pickup and the humbucker guitars were all done on the bridge pickup. The reason there's a confusion there is because I mislabeled the clips and I was too late to fix it by the time somebody noticed it. It should have been me. Sorry about that. But it was all neck pickups for the single, all bridge pickups for the humbuckers. What's interesting is a lot of people got in the comments and they were like, you really need to do these videos where you equalize the volume so we take that out of the equation. Well, here's the thing. All of the audio that came out output-wise was negative 2 dB across the board. Not normalized, it's just how it worked out. Now, YouTube will actually normalize more. They compress everything even more. So if you could hear a difference in volume, that was not volume, that was frequency, which was one of the points of the entire video was that it's not just about how hot a pickup is. It's about the frequencies that it's making and how it's interacting with the amp, which is really interesting to me that many people mistook uh, a lack of mid range or more mid range as being louder or quieter and not a different frequency, which was the whole point. And so people, and then there was a couple other people that were like, well, you need to run this through a real time analyzer so we can visually see it. And my retort to that is if you can't hear it, then what good does seeing it do? Do you just want to see something on a sheet of paper or on a graph that you cannot hear? We're playing guitar. The point is to hear it. If you cannot hear it, there's no point in seeing it on that granular level or wasting the time to do it. These are the kind of tests that are sort of a waste of time. When you have to get so granular to try to find a difference. And my just going to say it moment is coming pretty early in this podcast. It's only eight minutes after the hour. So I'm just going to say it. People focus on the wrong things when it comes to guitar tone. And it's really, and the reason I'm bringing it up is because it's so interesting that what we're hearing is influenced by what we think we want to see. And here's your next, just going to say it moment. I'm just going to say it again. Most of the time when you are watching a video, you are looking for things to uh, confirm or affirm things that you want to believe whether they are true or not. That's what happens. And you can tell by the comments when you comment on it, I can tell, uh, it's not that hard. Thousand, 1100 videos. We're pretty good at reading comments around here. I try to keep track or I, you know, I try to like listen for the first like 24 hours or so after that, it's just too much. Right. But you know, for the first 24 hours or so I try to pay attention to the comments a little bit. And, um, it's interesting that most of the comments that come through, um, 
when they are contradictory or uh, like in opposition to anything that I've said in a video, usually it's because I didn't find out something that they thought I should find out, which means you're trying to believe something that wasn't there. And if I did it wrong, I'll take that and we'll change the video. I mean, not change the video. We'll make another one. Um, but I think a lot of times people are trying to hear stuff that's not there because of what they've been told from other people or what they personally want to believe. You know, if you say this humbucker is hotter than this humbucker and the volume was different, the volume wasn't what you thought it was, then I did it wrong. That's not the right answer. The right answer is verify how you did it. Okay, this I told you how we did it. And the answer is you had an impression of what you thought was supposed to happen, but that didn't happen. I find it all the time. Uh, most of the time that comes when we are developing pickups. Literally, I will wind something that I thought was going to do a thing and it didn't do that thing. Yesterday I did that. And I was more than pleasantly surprised. So just you wait. Sometimes it happens very positively. Sometimes I'll, I'll be like doing some research on a pickup, you know, trying to figure out, okay, what I'm going to do, what the wine count's going to be, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and I'll wind it all up and I'm like, eh, that's, it's not, it didn't do what I thought it was going to do. And it's not that great. So I'm just going to cut it apart and try it again. Sometimes. Like yesterday, because uh, I was in here till like 10 o'clock last night playing because I was so pleasantly surprised by what I thought was going to be a mistake and it turned into be an incredible thing. Um, so there's going to be a video coming out about that soon and I'm really excited about it because it is a new P90 and it is phenomenally good uh, and it is not what you think. And it is phenomenally good. So I'm really, really excited about that. Yes, a happy accident. Um, and yeah, and so the thing is, is you have to be willing to accept that what you're hearing and what you're seeing, um, first of all, what you're hearing and what you're seeing aren't connected sometimes. But what you're hearing is also not connected to anything that you already know. And it's okay, because that's what learning is. Um, and if you don't ever allow yourself to do that and you stay in the box that you've been in for years and years and years because every guitar forum and everybody ever told you something, so now you're just going to stay in that box, well then A, you're never learning and B, you're never growing and that's just not me. So trying to be willing to do that stuff is really, really important to me personally. So that's why we do the kind of tests that we do. That is also why I really applaud these guys that are making these crazy videos. I mean, we bolted a neck, you know, I, I, I could, I suppose there's a few videos that we've done that I suppose that I could have put in that thumbnail, but I didn't want to, but you know, we bolted the neck of the guitar to the, the fence post. And that's like one of my probably greatest hits of all time. Um, but it wasn't, honestly, it didn't go how I thought it was going to go. And it didn't sound exactly how I thought it was going to sound, but it did do overall what I thought it was going to do. It's kind of interesting. I guess I've never said that before, but yeah, it's kind of interesting. Um, but the metal guitar, the pencil guitar, the ramen guitar, the concrete guitar, the cardboard guitar, um, you know, the, what's the other, what's some of that other stuff? Um, the drilling the holes in the acoustic guitar, the filling the acoustic with water, all those things. We tried to play an acoustic guitar underwater one time. Those to me are far more useful um, explorations of this entire subject than, hey, do these things that look almost exactly the same and feel exactly the same, but one's $10 more, like, does it make a difference? Um, well, if you put these headphones on and you're in this room and it's totally quiet and nobody's around, and you close your eyes and you tell yourself the sky is blue, then yeah, you can hear a difference if you're holding your mouth just right. You know, like to me, that stuff's just not worth it. It's just not worth it. And yeah, everything is cumulative, but take a big swing at something, man. 
proof of concept. That's what I do. Um, and I'm not saying everybody has to do it the way I do it. I know I'm a little crazy on this. You take a big swing at something, proof of concept, blow it up, do it again. Does it work? Yeah, it worked. But here's what happens. You find out if you get super into the minutia on this stuff with guitar tone, what you find out is you waste a lot of time twiddling knobs and pushing buttons and spending money on stuff that makes this much difference when you could take a big swing at something and go, oh, I could have skipped six months of screwing around and 10 purchases and, you know, all for me, especially because it's compounded because this is what we do. You know, I order, I mean, I think I spent $400 yesterday on experimental parts for some new pickups that I'm thinking about making next week. I will probably spend a couple hundred bucks more doing it. So for me, it's, it's kind of like more compressed because it's all we do right now. I'll tell you, I'm trying to spend about one day a week just experimenting. It doesn't turn into a full day. Usually it's, um, if we wind something, I put it like on the end of the day for the production run. So it takes an extra few minutes to wind it. And then maybe, you know, the next evening I'll throw it in a guitar and ex play with it for a few hours. You know what I mean? So it's not actually a full day, but I'm trying to make sure that we dedicate some time every week to experimenting. And I would tell you that I think that's something that you should do too, but we'll talk about why uh, and how in a minute because we got a super chat. So what I'm hearing is shut up and play your guitar. That's exactly what I'm telling you, Brian Duncan. Exactly. Because I think it's just more constructive. And also it's more constructive for the community. If people are constantly just like, no, that's wrong. This is the way I should do it. That's not constructive. It's not creative. It doesn't feed the creative outlet for anybody. But if you just sit around and you try stuff and you be like, hey, guys, I tried a thing that I didn't think was going to work and it worked. I played this pickup into this amp with this overdrive pedal and I thought it was going to sound like crap. But guess what? It doesn't. It sounds pretty cool. Does it sound exactly like this other thing that you all are trying to be like no but i found a new sound that i think i could use on a solo for a song or i found a new noise that i could make because i tweaked the delay knob the wrong way by accident or i you know all those things i think that is so fun and i that's what i love about these other videos um because they're so who cares? Like those guys don't care. They have transcended the Tonewood debate, the nitrocellulose debate, the, it doesn't matter. They have just, they've transcended it all and just done something extremely cool. And they're going to get just as many views and just as many hate comments because somebody drilled a hole in their guitar, but it's real exploration and it's real fun. Um, now, can we all buy a guitar and drill a hole in it? No, I mean, I probably can. I won't. It's already been done. I've thought about doing it. He beat me to it, I guess. Um, you know, so am I going to do that? Yeah, I mean, I probably could. I could probably take some Patreon money and buy a guitar and drill a hole in it for some views. But so I don't do it exactly the same way. But what I will do is I'll put a guitar, a pickup in a guitar that's not supposed to go in there and find out what happens or put a guitar pick up in backwards or upside down or do something crazy. I mean, those are the things that are kind of fun. Jim Woodard. Thank you so much. This is why my gigs are a Les Paul and backup Kemper and a lot of practice. No one hears those subtle differences and every room will be different. I'd rather concentrate on the performance. Yeah. And you know, okay, so let's dive into that a little bit. You're right. Cause we could just say, to everybody. Well, the guy in the front row at the bar who's drunk doesn't know what capacitors you're using. Okay. That's true. And I have guitars for that. Like if I'm going to go play, um, probably going to go do a couple of mics this month. 
and I'm just going to grab this guitar and this guitar because nobody cares or this guitar and this amp, whatever. Nobody cares. I'm just going to turn it on and I'm going to play it. And nobody cares. Right. And it's going to sound good to me because they're mine and I've had them for a while, but I'm not going to go out of my way to just like be, Oh, this is the ultimate, you know, I'm the ultimate king of tone here uh, because I'm going to some random open mic night on a Thursday. It's going to sound good and feel good to me. It's going to be fine, but I'm not going out of my way. Where I think we can get super nerdy, which is really, really fun, is because we're trying to create a feeling. Music is a feeling, obviously. So we're trying to create a feeling. We're trying to be like, I want to get that thing, man. I want to figure out what that thing is. It's so fun. I want to figure out what that thing is. And it's like this quest to figure out what that thing is. The problem is, is that there's a balance between figuring out what the thing is and forgetting what you're doing in the first place. Especially when you get to the point where you're arguing about it more than you're playing. Let's face it. I mean, it's really true. Uh, and so that's why, again, why I like this fun, more fun content. And I really applaud these guys for doing it because they've, like I said, they've transcended that. They're not worried about capacitors. They're not worried about the kind of paint that's on the guitar. Nobody's going to get in the comments of that dude and be like, yeah, well, that was polyurethane finish on that acoustic guitar that you drilled holes in. So, um, you know, it should have been nitrocellulose and it would have been better, different. I can guarantee you, though, and I've not gone and looked in his comments. You guys should do this later. I don't have time, but I can guarantee you there is somebody in there. One, you should have given this guitar to a poor kid that there. Those guys are always in there. Number one, uh, or donated to a charity or whatever. No, number one. And number two, uh, there's probably somebody in there going, well, the problem is you would have made it sound better if you'd have drilled the hole a little bit bigger and a little over to the left because the sound waves and the blah, blah, blah. Somebody's in there doing that right now. You can guarantee it. Instead of just going, dude, that's crazy. I'm not going to drill a hole in the top of my guitar, but that's crazy. But you know what's really funny about this is somebody at some acoustic guitar place somewhere is sitting there going, huh, I wonder if I take this wacky prototype that I have for messing around and I drill a couple of holes in it, what happens? Because that's what I do with pickups. A lot of times I'll see some crazy idea and I'll be like, hmm, I wonder if that magnet was that shape instead, or if we took that pickup and we just squished it and made it shorter, or what if we put those magnets in there instead of that one, I wonder what would happen and great things come of it. So taking a crazy idea, like drilling holes in an acoustic guitar and then going, wait a minute. He just did that randomly just to see what would happen. But if you put a little engineering and thought into that, I wonder what would really happen. Uh, remember Ovation? They had uh, whatever that guitar was that had a bunch of holes in the top. You know, um, Hart played them. Uh, let's see. What else? Isn't there a super fancy Alvarez? that has this like floral pattern cut with like laser or something really pretty top. I think it's an Alvarez. I, I saw one in a local shop here a few years ago. Um, yeah. Yeah. Dave, what's the, the prime diameter of tone holes is exactly. If you put tone holes in a solid body, make sure it's a PRS. That is really funny. Oh, 3.14 inches. Whew, that's a big one, but I can understand why you would go there. Yeah, that's what's super fun about all this. So here's the funny thing about it is y'all are joking about it and laughing about it. But this is how ideas get drawn on napkins. This is how... Um, some other dude, prob probably not me, I'm not going to copy him, but some other guy in some backyard in some garage with some iPhone is making another video right now. And it's not going to get bajillions of views because he doesn't have, you know, or maybe it will, I don't know. But somebody somewhere is drilling holes in a guitar, but they're trying to do it better. They're trying to learn. They're trying to figure it out, figure out what the science of it is. I just think it's really, really cool. I think, uh, I think all of that idea, <laughs> I 
Acoustic guitars sound better with left-handed strings. I have found that. I have found that. Yep. If a guitar f full of holes falls in a forest and no one is there, does it still make a sound? That's a good question. Uh, I think the only, you know what it would be bad at? Uh, have you seen the close advertisements? You know, the little carbon fiber acoustic guitar that I have where they like row a canoe with it. I don't think it would work as good at that. So you couldn't, couldn't do that. Um, which brings me more G holes. So that brings me to, excuse me. <clears throat> um, ah, um, what was the other thing I was going to talk about today? Oh yeah. The other thing that came up through the comments too, um, kind of related to this whole thing was after our video about sustainability, um, which was really interesting. People took that all kinds of different ways, which I thought was really fascinating, uh, to me. And again, I was definitely, um, this is, you know, people just trying to feel better about the, what they were doing feeling attacked, all these various things, a lot of commendation to it. Like a lot of people were like, Hey, thanks. I never thought about that before. Um, Oh, I learned a bunch of stuff I never knew before, you know? So I appreciate all y'all. I appreciate everybody. Even the, the folks that were really um, negative about it. I will say I didn't mean anything uh, ill towards anybody by it. I did say that you could buy whatever you wanted. And I was trying, not trying to inform your purchases or change anybody's minds. I did say that a couple of times, even though some folks were not paying attention apparently and didn't hear that. But, um, that was a really interesting, interesting exchange. And one of the things that came from it was, well, you play carbon fiber guitars and those are less sustainable because they're not recyclable. And I was like, okay, that's an interesting point. So let's dive into it a little bit more. I, I want to be, uh, you know, um, I, you know, I want to be fair to, to that argument because he was saying that carbon fiber wasn't recyclable, etc. My two things to that is there's one, one is carbon fiber is recyclable. There's actually, Oh, about a half a dozen products you can recycle carbon, carbon fiber into. I actually have some knife handles that are um, shredded and recycled carbon fiber, uh, on some, uh, at least one of my, uh, two or three of my knives actually have shredded carbon fiber that has been recycled. Um, so I know that it can be done and I know that there are, e are even some shredded carbon fiber recycled structural pieces that they can make because they don't have to be pretty anymore. They can remake them. So I know it's a recyclable thing. The other thing is, do guitars, and I guess I could just ask you in the comments, um, do guitars, see, yes, why would you recycle something that never breaks? Do guitars need to be recycled? Have you ever heard of anyone using up a guitar and then being like, should I recycle this or just throw it in the trash? I feel like I mean, I'm sure guitars end up in the trash. I'm sure they do. But player grade and above. So maybe let's take out of the equation any of the disposable kind of student stuff. And I don't even mean student stuff. I mean like the junky stuff, like the Walmart stuff that you might buy for your kid as a toy. Um, or maybe you think they're going to play, but you bought them a sucky guitar. So they'll never play because they hate guitar because their fingers hurt, you know, because it's some really, 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 really cheap thing. So let's take those out of the equation. Let's take um, player grade and above guitars. Do you know of anybody that ever throws one in the trash or wears it out to the point that it's no longer an instrument anymore that it needs to be recycled? I can't think of I can't think of that ever happening one time. On player grade stuff, it's possible. Um, it's possible, but I don't. I can't think of. 
I can't think of it. I mean, we've destroyed guitars for fun because uh, it's fun, but I've never, I've never thrown one away. And then the other thing is uh, people were saying nobody, somebody said nobody knows how long a carbon fiber guitar will last. So is it sustainable? Because nobody knows with 200 pounds of pressure on the neck, how long that will last. Well, here's the interesting thing about that is, yes, yes, we do. Um, you have to remember, and I, I think I get a lot of flack for saying this, but guitars are kind of dumb. You have smartphones and smart cars and smart watches and smart homes and smart thermostats. Guitars are about as dumb as it gets. It's a stick with some wires on it. It is, there's so little technology in it that it's just like the dumbest thing ever in comparison to an engineered material like carbon fiber. So first of all, let's chat about string tension. String tension from a set of tens on an electric guitar is about 105 pounds. 13s on an acoustic is going to be about 125, something like that. So 200 is an exaggeration. And I know that the f that fellow was exaggerating. So it's no big deal. Let's call it 150 pounds of string tension that is pulling perpendicular to breaking a neck in half. The bottom line is this. If the material doesn't bend now, it will never bend because of the way carbon fiber is structured. And if you know, know things about carbon fiber, which I don't know everything about it, but I have done a lot of research through bicycles and race cars and all kinds of other stuff. Um, as much as people don't want to believe it, again, because of tradition, my McPherson acoustic carbon fiber guitar does not have a truss rod and does not need one because it will never move. It does not move. It has 13 to 56s on it. I've never let any tension off of it. I've left it in the car. I've traveled with it in the van, in the motorhome, in the house, hot car, cold car. The thing has never moved. Um, not one time, not one time ever. And you can adjust the string height and the playability of it by the saddles. Mine came with two. I think they only come with one these days, but they have replacement ones. So you can go. And this is not like a sales thing for uh, McPherson, except that the engineering that has gone into that instrument, all those things are already thought of. And there's no reason to question a very easily engineered thing like a carbon fiber neck. You don't have to question it. It's not that hard. Um, and what's interesting is carbon fiber, for example, and other synthetic materials, their progress in the material sciences is so far beyond what we need to know for guitars, so far beyond it. And so many other um, industries that applying the material sciences of carbon fiber, for example, to a, a guitar are, is kind of going backwards and sort of stupid. It's like easy stuff. The difficulty with it is making it marketable because guitar players don't want to accept that fact. Um, you know, that's, that's really the thing. That's it. It's all about people not wanting to accept the fact that something different can be good. It has nothing to do with the actual product itself. Um, <clears throat> I'll give you an example. Uh, for those of you that um, may have not made this, so some, some of you may know this, some of you may not know this, some of you might be hearing about this connection for the first time and didn't realize it. McPherson Guitars is named for the owner, Matthew McPherson. Matthew McPherson is Matthew's archery. Matthew's archery is a state of the art archery company on the same property as the guitar company. And the guitar company is actually like 
two little buildings in comparison to the humongous thing that is Matthew's archery. And I don't know what you know. I don't know tons about this except for what I've talked to them about. But there's a lot of engineering and a lot of um, science that goes into a high-tech bow. And it has to do with stopping vibration, being quiet, and the, I guess the easiest way to say it would be like the ability for the material to con- like return to shape after moving, kind of. There's all kinds of things with it. Vibrations and resonance, actual resonance, not fake guitar resonance, but actual resonance. Um, and, all, you know, all that kind of stuff that goes into that. And so basically all Matt McPherson did was say, okay, well, if I can stop things from vibrating in carbon fiber, I can do everything backwards and make it vibrate properly. And so that's what he is on a quest to do. And he's ahead of everybody because he's taking his knowledge from science in another and engineering and material sciences in another industry altogether that has far surpassed guitars and bringing it back down to guitars. And I think more people, as as long as more people will be willing to do that, I think it will continue to catch on. And that's with everything. That's with modeling amps. Um, pretty soon, the smartest, I mean, there already probably are. I don't know. I don't know any of the engineers that work at any of these companies, like Quad Cortex or any of that stuff. But there's always a smarter computer guy than the one that you have. And it will continue there will be some computer genius that will be like, oh, I just unlocked the next level of making this good. It will just continue to happen. And it all starts with a guy drilling a hole in his acoustic guitar because this guy has a crazy idea that's just proof of concept. I wonder what would happen if then it inspires somebody else to take a closer look. It inspires the next person to really put some thought into it. Boom, next thing you know, they're engineering the next best guitar and it's got a bunch of holes in it or whatever application to the thing that we have in our guitar world. As long as we're willing to go there, there's why not guys. And there's why guys. I'm definitely a why not guy. I just want to know. Yeah. Really interesting. <clears throat> Excuse me. Really interesting stuff. Electric guitars that have the nice resonance may not fix the tone, but it makes the user of the guitar feel better for sure. Yeah, I yeah, honestly, that's kind of my my take on the whole tone wood thing. Is uh, because that's so misunderstood. Um, you know, the reason a Les Paul has good sustain is because it doesn't move. Resonance, which isn't actually resonance, by the way, it's a sympathetic vibration, uh, isn't good for sustain. So when you're like, whoa, bro, that's totally resonant, you're actually backwards. You're actually backwards. However, it feels good in your lap. So if it makes you feel good and you play better because you feel good, then it's fine. So my, that's my whole take on that stuff with that electric guitar stuff is, um, tone wood matters to the extent that, uh, feeling the guitar in your lap vibrate matters to you, then it's important. If it does not matter to you, then it's not important. That's all there is to it. It's pretty easy actually. Oh, that's how I feel about it. I don't care. I don't care. The guitar can be really, really vibrating and, you know, have all those sympathetic vibrations. And as long as the rest of the guitar is really good and mechanically uh, it does what it's supposed to do, then I think I'm okay with it. Um, and if the guitar sounds good, it is good. You know, I think a lot of people think that this quality, this guitar does not have this particular quality, therefore it cannot be good. And that's just not true. Um, this is some of its parts, right? So if, if it's got some other thing that makes up for that thing, or if it's got some other thing that contributes to that thing that you think is missing, 
in a different way and you're open enough to look at it, chances are it's a good guitar. Bad guitars are only when something's not really working right. You know, if you got a, when you're losing energy through a vibrating nut or you've got high frets, so you're, you know, your fret, fret work is bad or your neck's not straight or, you know, your pickups are really bad and they're not giving you the potential of what that string is doing. Um, not giving you a proper picture of what the string is doing. So the string, and to me, the fundamentals of an electric guitar is when you pick the string, it's you want the string to do what you told it to do with your hand. If the string doesn't do what you told it to do because there is a nut buzz or a bridge buzz or a screw that's loose that's robbing it from robbing energy from it. Now it's this is all um okay. Not to get completely off the rails here, but I'm just going to tell you a story. I read a book. This is probably this was back when I was designing dirt bike parts and we were doing cylinder head stuff and we were um, setting world records at Bonneville. We were really good at what we were doing. And I was learning from somebody that was way smarter than me. And he gave me this book. It was like this thick. And it was, I can't remember the title of the book, but it was all about the theory of relativity. And I really dove into the theory of relativity. And I realized that when you're trying to make something better, that it's already as it's good as it's already as it's good as it's going to be except for the things that are robbing it of that okay so in the motorcycle industry or in the motorcycle so let's take a, a dirt bike or let's take the world speed record stuff so i'm trying to set a land speed record at bonneville and you're like well okay the thing goes 113 miles an hour i want to go 121 that's what it was our first world record I want to go 121 miles an hour on a dirt bike. We're only going 113. Well, let's just put more power to it. Well, you could do that. But what you really should do is look at the amount of energy that you have available and find out where you're wasting it. Find out where it's going to the wrong place. Is it becoming heat where it shouldn't? Is it becoming friction where it shouldn't? Is it becoming centrifugal force where it shouldn't? Where can we move things around and take the available energy that we have so that we put it where we want it? That is basically the theory of relativity. Well, that's one of the, it's the, the pendulum thing with the pivot. And the, anyway, there's a whole drawing. Einstein drew it, blah, 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 super nerdy, whatever. Way tangential here. But the guitar thing is the same thing. The guitar thing is like, this guitar will do what I want it to do if when I impart energy to the string, it is not lost in the wrong places. If the pickups are wound in such a way that they give me a proper picture of what that string, the motion of that string. So first of all, the string needs to move efficiently and then the pickups and the electronics need to leave me with a pure enough picture of what that motion is to give me a good tone. After that, we can make everything do what we want it to do. Bad pickups typically have too high of capacitance because the winding is too neat or too tight or the wire is crap or the magnets. Well, that's totally something different. Uh, but capacitance is a big thing with cheap pickups, uh, for example. And it robs a lot of the available frequencies uh, right off the bat. So you'll never get them back because um, a guitar in a passive form, not not something with EMGs in it, um, active stuff's different, but passive guitars, which is mo most of us play, um, is a subtractive device, which means when the string moves and it moves within the magnetic field and is magnetized by the magnetic field and it creates that voltage at that amplitude of voltage, 350 millivolts or whatever, at that frequency, that's as good as it gets. Everything after that, until the first preamp in the amp, including your guitar cable, is stealing from that potential right there. So, building the system to make it to where you have the proper transfer of energy from your hand to the string to the pickup, not to the guitar body, to the pickup. 
when you tell the string what to do with your hand, it's supposed to do what it's told. When the pickup does what it's supposed to do without subtracting from it through either too high of capacitance, too high of resistance per the amount of inductance that you want, et cetera, et cetera, all the pickup garbage, then you can say, okay, this is something I can work with and I can shape it from here. If your cable doesn't lose a bunch of that potential because the cable is part of the guitar, it's not part of the amp. We've talked about that many times. Um, link in the description, 10% off discount code, blah, blah, blah. Um, then you have, then you have something and it's not that hard to do that with any material. You can make a guitar out of just about anything and have something that when you pick the string, it does what you tell it to do. It rings for a while. It makes a motion over some pickups. And if you have good pickups and you don't have too much parasitic loss from other components and the circuit design and bad grounds and all that kind of stuff, then you have a, you can have a good sounding guitar. Where the dispute comes in a lot of times is, is it just as good as this other thing that I'm already familiar with? Throw that out of your mind. Throw it out of your mind. I mean, is it good on its own? Full stop. Is it good on its own? Do, does it sound good? Yes. Okay. Well, there you go. It's not that hard, but that again, circling back around to these guys that make these crazy videos, that is how you go down these what if roads. And it starts with these crazy ideas. And I absolutely love it. Just keep circling back around to that. Um, which pickups exert the least magnetic influence on a string's vibration? This is a loaded question, but the easy answer is this. Any conventionally designed pickup. So there, there could be some like neodymium stuff and some crazy designs, but any conventionally designed pickup. I've got uh, strap pickups over here, tally pickups over here, humbuckers, whatever. Any of those that are properly adjusted, usually about 150 thousandths or three to five millimeters, of an inch away from the string will give you no discernible string pull. And that is science. You have been led to believe wrong, but that is science. Um, it's this whole thing called the magnetic dipole moment, the diameter of the magnet, the mass of the object in the magnetic field per the distance away, exponential, blah, blah. There's a whole bunch of math that goes into it. I can show you the, in one of my video, I've done a couple videos about this and I've showed you the formula, but it, it is that basically what it's, what it is, is if it's properly, if the mass of the string is 10 thousandths for a 10, and it is above a magnet that is one eight seven thousandths wide or one nine five thousandths wide, and the gauss of the magnet is x. Then, for every teeny weeny little bit that you move it away from the pickup, it just falls off exponentially. And by the time you get to three to five millimeters, it's no measurable difference. People will fight me to the death on that, but that's a hill I'm going to die on because the math doesn't lie. It's one plus one is two. Only there's like a bunch of other calculus there that I cannot do in my head or like recite to you because I'm not a calculus freak. It's one of those things where I have to like sit down and like, okay, this is this variable. This is this. I literally have to write it all out because I'm so far removed from schooling. But the bottom line is three to five millimeters. Don't worry about it. And if some old dude wants to think that you're wrong. Just let them think you're wrong and play your guitar with two pickups in it and have just as much as sustain as his one pickup guitar because blah, 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 blah. Just play your guitar. You're going to sound just as good as him anyway. Um, Dylan, are there any companies that make stacker plates for Bigsby's if you want to lessen the brake angle? I would not lessen the brake angle on a Bigsby. Um, I wouldn't. I have experimented with that. 
accidentally, uh, as in made a mistake with placement. Um, I've messed around with that kind of on purpose, but a lot accident. I would not lessen the break angle on a Bixby. That would be bad because the strings will just continue to move around more. It will become more unstable. Um, I don't know what guitar you're talking about, but most, if, if a B5, like on a telly, for example, is placed in the proper place, then it's fine. It's going to be fine. And you really have to fight for every bit of break angle that you can get. So like, for example, if you put, um, if you put a, a, a Bigsby on a telly, you got to go like four degrees on the neck angle to get the break angle right. If you raise up, we have a video on this actually. People that use Vibramates that brings it up like two millimeters, it changes the break angle. And personally, I don't like what it does to the stability. I don't like using the Vibramate because I don't like to raise it up even that little bit. Um, so that's an example of it. I, that's something that I personally would not do. Um, it's the discernible part, which is the important factor. A magnet may will always exert a force on a nearby ferrous object. Yeah, the problem is, is that when it's not measurable, it's not measurable. This goes again to when we put it on a scope, just because you can see it doesn't mean you can hear it. Um, and at some point you have to draw a line somewhere, you know, because that's what happens. It's basically what will happen is some ding dong will come out with some video and it'll be like, probably me, and it'll be like, oh, look, you can see the motion of the magnetic field even though and so that means it's pulling and you can see it on an oscilloscope and somebody's gonna be yep told you i knew i could hear my neck pickup in my blah blah guitar and it's just you know it goes back to, again to what you see versus what you can actually hear so it's an interesting thing um Is two millimeters action on a high E and a B string too high to play really fast? Um, two millimeters is, that might be a little high, but that's actually Fender standard. Like if you buy a Tele or a Strat, that's what it's going to come with. Most guitars are going to come with, um, most guitar like standards, like, like when you get one from the factory, typically a lot of times will be like um, two millimeters on the low E and a millimeter and a half on the high, something like that. Yep. Can you hear the difference between staggered and leveled single coils? I think I can, but maybe I'm crazy. You can. Um, I would go basically on that stuff based on what your uh, radius of your neck is. If you have a seven and a quarter radius and you want to put staggered pull pieces in your guitar, you're, I mean, obviously you can do whatever you want that would kind of make sense, but you got to remember that staggered pole pieces were more about old string technology than they were about anything else. And we have good string technology. You don't need to worry about it. Um, I'm actually, I make a staggered, this is for a silver sky and it's taller. They go out the bottom. It's taller in the middle and goes like this for a seven and a quarter radius for a silver sky. This is actually for my silver sky. I'm going to put these pickups in my silver sky. So yeah. Yeah. Pretty interesting. Can we get a react video with the new little Yachty album? Here's the thing about that. If you're coming to me to make fun of hip hop or electronic music of any kind or pop music of any kind, you're not going to get that out of me because I like all of it. So I can't have any respect for you anymore because you like rap music. I get a lot of that too. Eh, I go, whatever. I don't care. Ch -ch 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 -ch. 
If the intonation is right at the 12th fret, harmonic and fretted, but everything from the 12 to 24 is pretty off, like 10 cents off, what are the variables that can affect this besides strings? Well, that shouldn't be possible. Um, I would say, first of all, you're rarely going to have intonation be the same, fretted and harmonic. Um, I would, if I was you in that situation, because you're having trouble, um, if you're, if you can't get your intonation right, something else in the setup is wrong. So here's what you have to do. Go all the way back to the beginning and do the entire, check the entire setup in order. A lot of people jump straight to intonation and you cannot do that. You have to go all the way back to the beginning because every little thing that all interacts. So start with your neck relief and make sure it is from flat to five thousandths or ten thousandths of an inch, depending on what you want. Personally, I just set it flat. Second, make sure that your nut height is low enough uh, to not be a problem because here's the thing. Every time you fret a note, you're pulling down on the string, which is pulling it away from your intended pitch. So the further you have to pull a string down, the more out of pitch it's going to be in the fretted position. And that is going to vary from one end of the neck to the other. And, and really, since guitars are an imperfect instrument, your cowboy chords can be pulled out of tune and your 12th fret can be 100% on. So make sure that you know, these guys that run really high action, a lot of times, um, like folk players and stuff, they'll, they can run into that issue. Um, my gut feeling says is that your action is too high on your guitar, your string action, the height. So don't get neck relief and string action confused. Neck relief is how straight the neck is with the provided tension. So put the strings that you want on it. That's actually step one. Tune it to the tuning that you want it. Check your neck relief. Check your nut height, then check your string height, then check your intonation. Do it in that order. Chances are one of those things is probably out of spec. My guess would be either the string height or the nut height, or you set the nut height and the string height out of order. That can happen. Or you set the nut height and then the string height, and now everything is too low. Yeah, that wouldn't usually be out of tune from the 12th up. It's probably something's too high. I'm going to get, I'm going to guess that something is too high. That's where I would start. Bad, incorrect fret placement. Nah, I mean, okay. If it is a reputable maker, I mean, I can't speak to Harley Benton or any of them things, but if it's an Ibanez, if it's a, Martin, if it's a, whatever, if it's a guitar with a reputable maker behind it, chances are the frets are not in the right place or not in the wrong place. That doesn't make any sense. The other thing I would mention, incorrect nut slots. Um, the other thing I would mention is when you're doing this, fret your 12th fret. Don't do harmonic. Um, I get a lot of flack for saying that, but again, when the fret, the note is open, the note is open. Then you push down on the string and you're pulling it away from intended pitch. Well, you play with your hands on the strings. So check your intonation with the fingers on the strings. Keep everything and do it in playing position. Don't do it flat on the bench either. Keep everything as you close as you would be to playing it. That's why I always fret my 12th fret to check my intonation. That is all. I always do that. Um, yeah. Improperly cut nut slots could be a thing if it's too high. But usually that manifests down here in the first position chords. So it just kind of depends. So, you know, things like that. You guys, this has been fun. It's been a hour already. I can't believe we went this far. 
this fast. This has been fun. I actually wasn't feeling very good this morning. My back was really, really, really bothering me. And I was like, man, I hope I can have the energy by the time four o'clock comes to hang out with you all and feel good about it. And I do. This has been really super cool, man. I appreciate everybody's time. I appreciate you coming and hanging out with me. Thank you for the super chats that we got today. Make sure you check out uh, the news that comes out tomorrow. That's going to come out at four o'clock. That four o'clock news thing has been pretty cool. So, yeah, thanks for hanging out, everybody. And I hope you all have a great evening.